This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, preventing drug abuse in school kids in an entirely new way. All the just say no and scare stories do is tell you what not to do. They don't tell you what to do to deal with what's going on with you. Rethinking drug education. Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show. Here's a preview of what they're covering on Viewpoints this week. This week on Viewpoints. They saw women who were suffering in abject poverty and thought, how can we also help these women? Women combat soldiers go beyond the call. Them. Change is the nature of this life. We are different with every breath, with every moment we wake up, and it's a new day. How to feel motivated to embrace change and feel happier. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station, iTunes and Stitcher. A couple of years ago, a report from the Surgeon General concluded that drug and alcohol addiction is a public health crisis rivaling anything America has faced over the last 50 years. The numbers are startling. More than 20 million Americans have substance abuse disorders. More than 66 million of us binge drink every month. And since 2000, the overdose epidemic has killed more than a half million Americans. But how effective are we at combating it? There's simply no way law enforcement can keep up, and education hasn't been very successful either. Millions of us remember grade school and middle school anti-drug programs like DARE, Drug Abuse Resistance Education, that research has now shown are ineffective. So we do have now quite a bit of evidence showing that these programs do not work. And there's even some studies showing that they can have negative effects. So students that receive the DARE program or other kind of program where it does rely a bit on fear-mongering result in some students using more substances rather than less. That's Dr. Natalie Castellanos-Ryan, assistant professor of psychoeducation at the University of Montreal. She's a member of a team there that's researching drug education for kids, and she says traditional fear-mongering approaches don't address why teenagers start using in the first place. Some young people will start using substance for internal motivations. Some others will just use for peer pressure or to belong to a social group. Normally what happens is that youth with internal motivations to use drugs uh, because of genetic vulnerability, maybe environmental vulnerability and personality vulnerabilities, um, will start using these substances regardless of the messages they're given and they may then influence their peers. They don't take into account why somebody would want to use drugs. They don't take into account that lots of people use drugs in order to feel more comfortable socially, in order to experience some kind of sense of safety, in order to intensify their feelings. All the just say no and the scare stories do is tell you what not to do. They don't tell you what to do to deal with what's going on with you. That's Maya Salovitz, author of the book Unbroken Brain, A Revolutionary Way of Understanding Addiction. 
She has personal experience with the failure of drug education. She says it did absolutely nothing to keep her from a six-year path of psychedelics, cocaine, and heroin starting in high school. She says scare tactics may make sense to the people who develop the curriculum, but teenagers enter a developmental stage where they seek risks rather than being scared of them. She says teens are also at an age when authority figures such as police officers are probably not their favorite people, so having them teach the class may reduce its effectiveness. It also reveals the motivation of these kind of programs, which conflicts with the plea that addiction be considered as more than a moral failing. The whole point of D.A.R.E. and the whole point of criminalizing drug use is to stigmatize it, and especially to stigmatize the people who get in trouble. I keep arguing all the time that, yeah, if we really believed addiction is a disease, we would decriminalize all drugs and we would treat it like any other disease, which is that you have to have respect and support for your patients, not treat them like dirt. Addicts are not all the same, Salovitz says, and drug education programs based on the assumption they are are doomed to fail. One of the problems with the way we currently approach addiction is it's really one size fits all and we think there's this one addictive personality that's sort of this lying, manipulative, horrible, bad person personality. And actually the data does not find that. People with addiction are pretty much as varied as other people except they tend to be on the extremes. So Somebody who is like extremely bold and careless and antisocial is at high risk, but so is somebody who's extremely careful and compulsive and anxious. The school-based anti-drug program developed by the University of Montreal team is based on a personalized approach. Their research has found that a person's personality traits are very important in determining whether they're at risk of getting in trouble with drugs. Four traits in particular raise the risk of addiction, and Ryan says they can be used to predict which middle schoolers are going to be in trouble with drugs a few years down the road. Those students can then be targeted to receive prevention efforts tailored to their personality type. We all score on a certain level on all these traits, but those that are scoring particularly high on traits like impulsivity, sensation-seeking, hopelessness and anxiety sensitivity, those are the four traits we have most evidence on. We're showing that they are particularly vulnerable to develop future problems with uh, substance use and other mental health issues. Of the four traits that raise the risk of addiction, Ryan says impulsivity is the most well-researched. When we talk about impulsivity, we refer to a tendency to speak or act without thinking. It's related to uh, cognitive deficits that make it hard for us to stop behavior once we start. So, for example, for youth that's high in impulsivity, they'll have trouble stopping drinking once they start it. So they'll tend to binge drink and try any substance because they can't put stops on their behavior. A second risk-raising personality is known as sensation-seeking. They look for excitement, crave fun, and have a very low tolerance for boredom. Normally, sensation-seekers are pretty well-adapted young people. They do well at school, they're very popular, but they do have a tendency to be some of the first youth to try drugs and alcohol, and they do particularly have troubles with binge drinking. But they don't suffer from other kind of mental health issues. Another trait that creates drug risk is hopelessness. People with that trait look at things negatively, are more vulnerable to depression, and often use drugs to numb their negative thoughts. 
This is the trait that Salovitz says put her at risk. She was high achieving, even gifted, but never thought she was good enough. I was just really isolated socially and really lonely and really sad about it. And I thought that I was just bad and it was unfixable. So when I heard about psychedelic drugs, I thought, wow, these seem to sort of open up new worlds to you. I would like to try that. The fourth personality trait Ryan's team has identified is what she calls anxiety sensitivity. That refers to a person's tendency to be highly sensitive to body sensations when they're anxious. Sometimes they feel overwhelmed with these feelings. So, for example, we all feel butterflies in our stomach, our heartbeat raised when we're anxious and not think much of it. But somebody that's, of course, high on anxiety sensitivity will start kind of panicking about the heartbeat changed or their butterflies in their stomach and might think that the worst thing could happen, you know, that they might throw up. They might be using substances to calm themselves down or cope with their anxiety. But not only do different personality types use drugs for different reasons, Ryan says they also often use predictably different drugs. Sensation seekers are likely to binge drink, looking to get wasted. Hopeless types are more likely to numb their feelings with opioid painkillers. Some differences are even more striking. If they try the same drug, people with different temperaments are likely to have completely different physical reactions to them. For example, adolescents or adults that drink alcohol may experience a change in their heart rate, so their heart rate will go up. They're more likely to experience a high from the alcohol, whereas adolescents or individuals that score high in hopelessness or anxiety sensitivity will not experience a change in heart rate or will experience the opposite, will experience a decrease in heart rate. More successful drug prevention efforts will be the likely beneficiary of all these findings. The University of Montreal program, called Preventure, is aimed at middle schoolers. It begins with a questionnaire for students. The personality questionnaire is very simple. We use one that's particularly brief to be able to include in longitudinal studies, 23 items. And the questions for sensation-seeking, for example, would be, I would like to skydive you know, or parachute out of a plane. I would like to learn how to ride a motorbike. Very general questions about kind of uh, whether you like novel experiences, do you like trying new things, that kind of thing that adolescents won't mind talking about or answering questions about. Whereas if you ask them directly about their substance use, then, you know, they feel a bit more nervous about answering those kind of questions. Ryan says those two dozen questions are enough to predict with 70 to 80 percent accuracy which students are at risk of abusing drugs a few years later. That's a high number, a high number of those we can detect that will develop problems. But scoring high on these traits does not mean that you will definitely develop a problem. We are seeing that If we look at those that we select as high risk, it's between 50 and 60% of those that develop a substance use problem or related mental health problem, which means roughly that these could have a one in two chance. Knowing which kids are at risk and the personality types behind that risk allow Ryan's team to intervene. Salovitz says at-risk kids are funneled to two 90-minute workshops where they learn how to cope with their particular deficit. They test the kids months before they actually introduce the program, so that by the time they introduce the program, they've forgotten about this personality test they took like six months ago. So then they offer these workshops about shaping your own personality for success. 
So they select into the one that's related to impulsivity, they select the impulsive kids into there, and the one that's related to hopelessness, they select those kids into there. And, of course, the smart ones realize, hey, like, all of us share the same thing here, and they ask and they will be told, honestly. But the thing about it that is really good is that it doesn't label them as being at risk. It just says, This is a personality trait that you have. Sometimes people have difficulty managing this trait. Here are some ways you can do it. The interventions include cognitive behavioral techniques that are used to basically target maladaptive thinking or what we call thinking errors that are kind of unique for that personality trait. And you teach them some coping skills to learn how to better manage their personality vulnerability. The Preventure program has been tested in the UK, Canada, the Netherlands, and Australia. And Ryan says the results are extremely promising. For example, in one test, binge drinking among attendees dropped by more than 40% compared to a control group of high-risk children who did not attend. But the benefits don't stop there. There's some evidence showing that those that receive the program have an influence on their peers and the substance use of the peers is also reduced. So it's a selective program, but can have beneficial effects to the whole school cohort. Aiming prevention efforts at children before their problems with drugs begin has been standard for decades. But now we're beginning to find out the reasons kids start using and giving them the skills to address those needs in another way. You can find out more about all of our guests through links on our website, radiohealthjournal.net. You can also find archives of our programs there, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm Reed Pence. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now. 800-568-1647. That's 800-568-1647. U.S. Tax Shield. 800-568-1647. 
If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call this toll-free number right now. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. By calling your addiction team, you're taking the first steps to recovery. Don't fight addiction alone. Their advisors are ready to take your call. Your future is still a bright place. The help you need could be one call away. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This call is completely confidential. And if you have private insurance, there could be little to no cost to you. Even if you've already been to treatment, give us a call. There's no need to let addiction ruin your life. Take the first step now. Call your addiction team at 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. Make the free call now. 800-279-0419. Your addiction team is a third-party advertiser for various treatment centers and placement networks. Individual results will vary. Visit youraddictionteam.com slash terms for more information. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTrax Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.